morning, everybody. We're gonna get, we're gonna go ahead and get started. Pretty important um, event today, X2M 137. Revelation chapter number 18. Babylon the Great has fallen. After these things, I saw another angel who possessed great authority coming down out of the heavens, and the earth was lit up by his radiance. He shouted with a loud voice. He shouted with a powerful voice. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. She's become a lair of demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detested beast. Let all the nations, for all the nations have fallen from the wine of her immoral passion, and the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have gotten rich from the power of her sensual behavior. I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her. My people, so you will not take part in her sins, and so you will not receive her plagues. Her sins have piled up all the way to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Repay her the same way that she repaid others, and pay her back double, corresponding to her deeds. In the cup she mixed, mixed double the amount for her, as much as she exalted herself and lived in sensual luxury. To this extent, give her torment and grief, because she said to herself, I rule as a queen and am no widow. I will never experience grief. For this reason, she will experience her plagues in this single day, and disease and mourning and famine, and she will be burned down with fire, because the Lord God who judges her is powerful. The kings of the earth who have committed immoral acts with her and lived in sensual luxury, with her will weep and wail for her when they see the smoke of the fire that burns her up. They will stand a long ways off because they're afraid of her torment and will say, whoa, whoa, oh great city, Babylon, that powerful city. For in a single hour, your doom has come. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn for her because no one will buy her cargo any longer. Cargo such as gold and silver, precious stones and pearls and fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, and all sorts of things made of citron wood, all sorts of objects made of ivory, all sorts of things made of expensive wood and bronze, iron and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, perfume, ointment, frankincense, wine, olive oil, and costly flour, wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and flour, four-wheeled car carriages, slaves and human lives. The ripe fruits you greatly desired has gone from you and all your luxury and splendor have gone from you. They will never be found again. The merchants who sold these things who got rich from her will stand a long way off because they're afraid of her torment. And they'll weep and mourn, saying, Woe, woe, O great city, dressed in fine linen, purple, and scarlet clothing, and adorned with gold, 
precious stones and pearls. In a single hour, such great wealth has been destroyed. And every ship's captain and all who sail along the coast, seamen and all who make their living from the sea, stood a long way off and began to shout when they saw the smoke from the fire that burned her up. Who is like the great city? They threw dust on their heads and were shouting with weeping and mourning. Woe, woe, O great city, in which all those who had ships on the sea got rich from her wealth, because in a single hour she has been destroyed. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints, apostles, and prophets. For God has pronounced judgment against her on your behalf. And then one powerful angel picked up a stone like a huge millstone and threw it into the sea and said, with this kind of sudden violent force, Babylon the great city will be thrown down and will never be found again. And the sound of the harpists, the musicians, flute players and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No craftsman who practices any trade will ever be found in you again. The noise of the mill will never be heard in you again. And even the light from a lamp will never shine in you again. The voice of the bridegroom and his bride will never be heard in you again. For your merchants were the tycoons of the world. And because all the nations were deceived by your magic spells, the blood of the saints and the prophets was found in her, along with the blood of all who had been killed on the earth. Psalms 137, or Acts 2 M 137. By the rivers of Babylon we had sat down and wept when we had remembered Zion. On the poplars in her midst, we had hung our hearts. There our captors had asked us composed songs. And those who mocked us demanded that we be happy, saying, sing for us a song about Zion. And how can we sing a song to the Lord? in a foreign land. But if I forget you, O Jerusalem, might my right hand be crippled, and may my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, and I do not give Jerusalem priority over whatever gives me the most joy. Remember, O Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. They said, tear it down, tear it down, right to the very foundation. O daughter of Babylon, soon to be devastated. And I was told by the Lord to make this pronouncement today. Babylon, you must come down. And oh, Babylon, we, the remnant of the Lord, have been going through an extraction period, extracting Babylon out of our very nature. 
It's the fig leaf. At the very beginning of the fall of man, it's the place of full exposure, realizing who we are before the Lord. Naked and unashamed, I'm fully exposed in front of you, Lord. And I'm not going to be afraid anymore. Oh. your kingship and your government on this earth, Lord. Oh, oh, you're the righteous one, the holy one, the holy one of Israel. Yes, Lord. Thank you for the exposure, Lord. Exposing us, exposing our hearts, Lord. It's your presence that we long for, Lord. It's you that we want, Lord. It's you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Just tell him that you want him. I want you, Lord, more than my very own life. Oh. I was made for you, Lord. Made and created for you, Lord. Oh, um.
gonna hear Fires of holiness come burning me Hunger for righteousness come churning me Stirring, moving within my soul And I feel this changing I'm casting down things of old Would you open my heart? I want to be your gate Would you open my mouth? I want to sing your praise Has come churning me. Fires of holiness come burning me. And hunger for righteousness come churn. Come light me up, cause I want to burn with your goodness pouring forth. So evil hearts will turn And the torch that will shine forth Your glory in the night In the darkness will I be The outshining of your light have an issue with cataracts, um, come forward uh, for healing. The Lord is going to heal. He's telling me cataracts. So any cataract issues. If you feel that, just come up and lay hands pray for this, this issue to be dealt with. I want to heal this cataract issue. I'm going to heal it right now. And so I just want to honor the Lord in this. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for the opening up of our eyes and the restoration, Lord, 
right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you. Complete healing. Joint related pain. If you have issues in your joints, just come up here right here. We're gonna pray over you for joint related pain, joint related issues. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for your healing, Lord. I am the Lord that healeth thee from all your infirmities and all your diseases. I make you whole and I declare all things are new.
Psalms chapter 4. When I call out, answer me. Oh, God who vindicates me. Though I'm hemmed in, you will lead me into a wide open place. Have mercy on me and respond to my prayer. You men, how long will you try to turn my honor into shame? How long will you love what is worthless and search for what is deceptive? Realize this, the Lord shows godly special favor. The Lord responds. The Lord responds when we cry out to him. The Lord responds. The Lord responds when we cry out to him. Do we believe you? We believe you, Lord. We believe you in this house. We believe that when we cry out to you and when we come to you that you hear us. You see us now, Lord. of the Lord and do not sin you've made me happier I'm thankful for the joy that is greater greater than even abundant grain and wine you've restored my soul in your sovereign grace. You're our safety, Lord. You're our security.
Righteousness are the pillars that his throne is set upon. You are a shield and a buckler, true. Blocks all the darts of the evil one. And the Lord is our defense. And the Holy One of Israel, our King. Faithfulness to all 
generations and the heavens will praise all thy wonders before who can be compared to you Genesis 3.8, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord, God moving about in the orchard in the breezy time of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the orchard. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? The man replied, I heard you moving about in the orchard and I was afraid because I'm naked. And so I hid. And the Lord God said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you to not to eat from? And the man said, the woman that you gave me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. So the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman replied, the serpent tricked me and I ate. And the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the wild beasts and all the living creatures of the field. And on your belly, you will crawl and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I will put hostility between you and the woman 
and between your offspring and her offspring. And her offspring will attack. And her offspring will attack. Her offspring will attack. Her offspring will attack your head. Her offspring will go on the offensive. Offensively, like it says in Genesis 49, 18, offensively in this way, for your salvation I wait, O Lord. It says about the tribe of Dan, the one who is the serpent in the way. For your salvation I'll wait. For your salvation I'll wait all day long. I'll wait on you, Lord. The pressure, it seems like it comes all around me. Circumstances are telling me to pick another path. They're telling me to go another way. But I know that if I wait on you, Lord, if I wait on the Lord, the renewal is there. The restoration is there. The promised provision is there. Everything I need for life and godliness is found in you. Hey, he wants to trick you and tell you that the Father doesn't love you, that the Father won't take care of you, that the Father abandoned you. No, 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 he's always loved us. We can connect to him even now. Yeah, it looks like everything, all the chips are down. And then everything looks like it's coming from every different direction, telling us a different perspective. And I tell you, wait on the Lord. Just wait on the Lord. Place all your trust in him. Oh, great deliverer oh one who delivers me yeah this is my offensive strategy I trust you Lord I place all my trust in you this is my offense Crushing his head by trusting. You can feel the, the presence of the Lord. Who oh, is with us? Is with us? You're with us, Lord.
let us return. Yeah. 
broken us But now is the time And he'll bandage our wounds In a short time He will restore us We can live in his presence All oh, that we might know the Lord oh, Let us press on to know him In a short time
invite you, Holy Spirit. I invite you. I invite you in this place, Lord.
Then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song in the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies, from the hand of Saul, and he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the Lord of my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, the stronghold of my refuge, my Savior. You save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. When the waves of death surrounded me, the floods of ungodliness made me afraid, the sorrows of Sheol surrounded me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. I cried out to the Lord, and he heard my voice from his temple, and my cry entered his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven quaked and were shaken because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed, the heavens also came down with darkness under his feet. He rode upon a cherub and flew and he was seen upon the wings of the wind he made darkness canopies around him, dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him, the coals of fire were kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven and the Most High uttered his voice. He sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning bolts, and vanquished them. Then the channels of the sea were seen and the foundations of the world were uncovered at the rebuke of the Lord the blast of the breath from his nostrils. His deliverance is in the breath you breathe. It's all through who you are. When we lift him up, he lifts us up. All the world's religions are trying to step their way to God, trying to work their way to God. God has come to us. Jesus Christ has come from heaven to us. Psalm 18 describes that. When Jesus Christ visits us and blows on our hearts like the wind, it's the Holy Spirit. We feel like we become uncovered, that we become undone. And all the trying doesn't matter anymore. We're done. We're finished. We're surrendered. This is the path of meekness. It's the great offensive, the offense of the cross, the stumbling block of the cross. But for us, it is the way. We try to make things work out in our outer lives. We try and we try. We try and we try and it's never enough. But when we give up, 
The meek inherit the earth because the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And what's more, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When we give up our name, when we give up all the trying and all the doing and all the wanting and all the me, and we give up, the name of the Lord becomes imprinted on our very names and transforms our very names. And the more of his name that is dwelling within us through that way, that cross, we inherit what is his because it's his to give. Lord is 
Well, let's jump right into it. Ezekiel 28. A prophecy against the king of Tyre. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, say to the prince of Tyre, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Your heart is proud and you said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of the gods in the heart of the seas. Yet you're a man and not a God. Though that you think that you are God-like, look, you're wiser than Daniel and no secret is hidden from you. By your wisdom and understanding, you have gained wealth for yourself. You have amassed gold and silver in your treasuries. By your great skill and trade, you have increased your wealth and your heart is proud because of your wealth. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says, because you think you're a godlike, I am about to bring foreigners against you, the most terrifying of nations. They will draw their swords against the grandeur made by your wisdom. They will defile your splendor. They will bring you down to the pit and you will die violently in the heart of the seas. Will you still say I am a God before the one who kills you? Though you're a man and not a God, when you're in the power of those who wound you, you will die the death of the uncircumcised by the hand of foreigners. For I have spoken it, declares a sovereign Lord. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, single admit for the king of Tyre, and say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says. You were the sealer of perfection. You were full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. You had the ruby, the topaz. You had the emerald, the crystallite the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the turquoise, the beryl. Your settings and mounts were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. I placed you there as an anointed guardian cherub. You were in the holy mountain of God. You walked about in the midst of fiery stones. You were blameless in your behavior from the day you were created until iniquity was discovered in you. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I defiled you and I banished you from the mountain of God. The guardian cherub expelled you from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom on account of your splendor. I threw you down to the ground. I placed you before kings that they might see you. By the multitude of your iniquities, through the sinfulness of your trade, you desecrated your sanctuaries. So I drew fire out from within you. It consumed you, and I turned you ashes on the earth before the eyes of all who saw you. All who know you among the people are shocked at you. You have become terrified, and you will be no more. Zechariah Chapter five, verse five. After this, the angelic messenger who had been speaking to me went out and said, look, see what is leaving. I asked, what is it? And he replied, it is a basket for measuring grain that is moving away from here. 
Moreover, he said, this is their eye throughout all the earth. Then a round lead cover was raised up, revealing a woman sitting inside the basket. He then said, this woman represents wickedness. And he pushed her down into the basket and he placed the lead cover over the top. Then I looked again and I said, saw two women going forth from the wind and the wings. They had wings like those of a stork. And they lifted up the basket between the earth and the sky. And I asked the messenger who was speaking to me, where are they taking the basket? He replied, to build a temple for her in the land of Babylonia. When it is finished, she will place there in her own residence. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for assigning me the most complex prophetic literature that there is. (laughs) Thank you, Father, (laughs) for exposing me in front of this beautiful congregation and have no clue what this is about. (laughs) And I need your help. Could you speak through my mouth and take over me, Lord, so that I can declare what it is that you're saying? because I can do nothing without you and I just wanna confess that again. That I don't know how to bring this out and I don't know what to say, but I wanna trust on your Holy Spirit to put your words in my mouth so that I can declare what it is that you're saying to this end time remnant church. Oh, as we are being made ready, Lord, for the inbreaking of your coming at the end of this age. That today, Lord, marks, marks history. That history's in the making. That the house of Israel, your house, your kingdom will be exalted among all the nations in the earth. And everyone and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of who you are will be cast down. Lord, we trust you for this great moment in human history when you've been preparing us as your people to break into us, to fill us with your own spirit, to fully form yourself in us. Christ be formed. We would be fully consumed with you. Out with Babylon, out with Tyre, out with the whole debacle of it all. And we want nothing of it, Lord. We don't want any of it in our frame and in our, in our place, in our personhood. We want you, Lord. And we take this opportunity to worship you today saying and declaring that you are the sovereign king, you're the righteous one, that you're holy and true. And our loyalty will be consummate to you. He's saying to me, you know, many will be martyred for my name's sake. Like right now, like I don't mean right now, but he's saying this to me now. You know. I think that our, if I'm understanding what he's communicating to me right now, that your believing loyalty to our king will come under the greatest scrutiny and test of your entire uh, 
non-existence. And at these moments, like what we are taking heat this morning, and you can feel it, and you know it's in the atmosphere, trying to steal the worship and steal the covenantal loyalty to our king to try to tell us another, to tell you and I a different perspective than the one that he is telling us now, the one that the word says, to try to buy us off, to try to say that your circumstances are in such a way, in such a light, that if he really were your father, you would not be in that kind of predicament that you're in. I think he was jealous because he only got nine stones instead of 12 like you. <laughs> I think he was sitting up there above the throne looking down when the, uh, the Godhead was in communion with one another saying that we want to make we want to make someone that looks like us. We, we want to make a male and a female. We want them to look like us. And I'm going to give them a, these 12 stones. And he says, oh, did you say 12? Because I only have nine. <laughs> the nine stones that are right there in Ezekiel chapter 28. And I think he was looking down. He says, you're going to make a being that's more superior, that's more amazing than I am. You're going to make humankind in your own image. And I think he was like rubbed because of it. I think it rubbed him the wrong way and I think it made him angry. Because it says all these attributes about him, the, that he was beautiful, that, I mean, that wisdom came out of him, that light broke forth out of him, that he was one of the most amazing beings ever created by God. And at that time, he was the most amazing being that God himself had created, the uncreated God had made. And I think it just ate him up. So when the Lord put Adam and made Adam out of the dust and brought forth Eve out of Adam, so I, I got to go back. I'm going to go down there. And I'm going to trick them into giving up their whole inheritance. And he did. And they, bo they broke with the prophetic word of the Lord, the word that was authorized to them that said, you, you eat from this tree and the day that you eat of it, you surely, you will die. And that thing has infected the human race. What? Namely this. A consummate believing loyalty and trust in the word of the Lord, irregardless of our circumstance. I suffer you to hunger in the wilderness so that you would know that man does not live by what? In our economy, money, rubles, you know, yen, call it whatever you want, but man doesn't live by that. He doesn't live by it alone. He lives by the prophetic word that is the word that is proceeding, the word that is coming forth out of the mouth of God. Man, you and I, humankind, was made to live off of the word. The word becoming flesh and dwelling richly in us. We were made to be oriented to that word. And the struggle is with all of humankind is 
and it's been the struggle that we had taken that word and we had spurned that word and we had thought that our circumstance told us something else so we didn't have to obey it. And so we go back to the same pattern so much so and we turn our hearts back to the circumstance and it just spins us out and takes our righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And um, it's a simple message, isn't it? The word's not making it hard on us. He's said, I give you my word. Now that's my word that is governing you. I want you to listen to me. I like that it says the word that proceeds because it's highly relational. The word of the Lord to you is relational. It's um, him speaking to you and you waiting on that word to come forth and, and saying, I'll wait on you, Lord. And I'm not going to move off my position. Your economics can heat up, your health can heat up, your um, relationship can heat up, and it's just this consummate loyalty to, that's not what the word told me, or that is what the word is telling me, and I'm not changing my position. I believe that, like, in this end time, that's what's going to be like, what this is all about. It gets down to, this is how we overcome our enemy right? By the blood of the lamb, the word of the testimony, and we don't love our lives to the death, to the death. Last week, I went through this with you, and I'm going to kind of recap today, and then we'll move this forward, but I went through seven processes that I'm sure that as the, the remnant of God that we've, God's sons and daughters that we went through, when God began to intrude into the affairs of men, you know, my wife told me, she said after the event, she said, Carol, you know, it's a very odd thing to use the first step as invitation when you're talking about intrusion. And she said, literally, the definition doesn't go together. You cannot intrude and be invited. And uh, she's right, technically speaking, in the definition, it's the opposite. And because what I was presenting last week, and I'm going to just recap that to carry us into uh, this week, is that in common grace, um, in a grace that has been given to the whole earth, whether believer or unbeliever, that God chose to intrude into that common grace with a, a, what we call a special grace, and begin to, to move towards those who are his elect, uh, to save those that he's will, he was saving. His greatest intrusion into this whole entire picture was when he came and he uh, uh, impregnated Mary. He intruded into the common grace structure by even an invitation because God is not like an imposer or manipulator. It seems kind of contradictory, as Kara pointed out to me. Kind of the way to think about it is, is that if God, who created space-time and created all the dimensional space, in love, knew that mankind needed a, a rescue plan, that there was no hope for us unless he, he came in, that he, um, in a way, what he did was that he would condescend I don't mean that he's a condescender or that he works through condescension. I mean that he lowered himself. Philippians 2 talks about this, that being equal with God, right? He made himself of no reputation. And he came in the form and likeness of men. 
It's a very odd thing to think about when we think about God who is, holds the whole world in the palm of his hand and now he's inside of the palm of a hen. The Lord who's all powerful, he's omniscient, you know, all knowing, he's omnipresent, he's everywhere, he's omnipotent, he's all powerful, chose to limit himself to a human faculty. Now he has um, to clip his fingernails, you know, his toenails. He, he has to uh, get his hair cut. He has to eat food. He's come into a place of limitation. And so in this way, he's intruded into a human body. He's made himself limited. The unlimited, uncreated God has been limited in He's limited down his power, his influence. He's limited down his potentiality. He's even so much so about Jesus, you know, he's going to do nothing except what he sees the Father doing. I mean, he's, he says he, he didn't count it as something to be grasped, Godhood. He takes his hands. You've heard me talk about this. He runs it to zero, puts his hands behind his back. He will not grasp for influence, power, um, to make himself known, he's, he's totally loving. He's the, the uh, essence of love. You know, he's the opposite of what we read about in Ezekiel 28. He kind of, you know, sneaks up on you in a way. He doesn't, not like he's tricky or deceptive or anything, but he just... In worship this morning, I heard the Lord say, you know, I'm going to especially want to touch Michael Collins. I said, okay, you know, I want to touch him because I, I want to, that place you've longed for, Michael, your whole life and 30 years and working within what you were in. He's like, I want to feel him completely, any void, any vacancy. I want to just give my whole self to him because he wants me. He wants all of me. I'm going to give him all of me. And I said, oh, Lord. And he said, no, I want to do this. I want, oh, well, I love this thing of vacancy. I love this place where I can come in and just, and, and just feel uh, parts that are just willing to be completely divested of um, everything. You know, a people that are willing to be exposed, a people that are willing to be uh, not know, to not have to understand. It's not leaning on our own understanding. It's not having to try to try, like Jeff was singing up here. We try, we try. We don't need to try. I want to come in to a place where it's, it's just me and you, and I'm going to come in like that. And so what he does is he intrudes by love. Everything the Lord does is love. He intrudes by way of condescension, by complete limitation. Literally in this world, what I'm speaking of makes no sense. It doesn't make sense because we, as people, are trying to build a base of power, uh, strengthen our reserves, get more resources in the bank, set up our retirement 501, whatever, do all our stuff, get our plans all made, build it all out. I remember years ago, I was like, okay, 
We, Kara and I, we live in by, completely by the seat of our pants and I've got a little bit in reserve and a little bit in reserve. And the Lord, you know what he says to me? He says, all that reserve that you're trying to build out that you think is just good uh, way to run ethics and a way to run your finances and a way to run your relationships, you're actually stabilizing yourself against me. <laughs> he said, you're building walls against me and I'm trying to come on in. You're, you're trying to build structures around yourself to keep me from coming. You're even trying to build an independence through biblical principles so that you don't have to deal with me. And I said, oh man, I, you know, we could teach you some way to teach you a biblical principle and you could use that biblical principle just to keep God at bay. Because if I can feel secure and I can feel like everything's gonna be okay, then I don't, well, I might not need him. And that wasn't the way you and I were made. We, you and I weren't even created that way. That's not the way we were created. We were created for an unconscious dependence. <laughs> we were created not to even know like that, but to be known by him. We were created for him to live his life in us and basically run our whole frame. We were made like that. You and I were created for him to take over and run your frame. You were made that way. So God comes by invitation, right? Number one, I went through these last week. He comes by invitation. You know, when he saved you, he said, Lord, I need you. Oh, I'm coming in. He's not like this. Um, you didn't say it the right way. You didn't do it the right way. You didn't say the Romans road. You didn't get the technicality all down. Nope. No, nope. all you had to say, I need you. I need you. I need help. My sins before me. I can't handle it. Boom. Whoa. Oh, man. You remember? Invitation. Sin weighs on you. Repent. Repent. Boom. There he is. He's, he's not. You didn't say it the right way. Now I watched him do it to a Hindu Sikh on the back of an airplane, which I've shared that before, but it was just phenomenal. I didn't hear, he didn't have to say all these things. He said, Jesus Christ, after I prayed for him, is the only way to the Father. After he was completely offended by the Lord and lay hands on him like this fire hits me on top of my head, goes through my hand, hits him. He says, he's the only way to the Father. Instantly, the dove came down. And he's crying, tears pouring out his eyes. He says, I've looked for him my whole life. He's a Hindu Sikh, 67 years old, Rudy, San Diego, coming back from Nepal. It's invitation, initiation. Then you are initiated into the road of trials. Remember that when the uh, cooling off period? <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> this thing and that thing and, you know, you're initiated, the Holy Spirit comes, initiates you, and then you go through a process of designation. The Lord in that initiation then comes to you and he designates you, he puts a calling on your life, he tells you who you are, and it's usually so amazing, you know, it just like blows you away, right? Remember when he designated you? I don't know where you were at, you may have been 
I think Brad, he was on top of a mountain, you know. I don't know for sure, but I mean, you know, uh, Stephen, I'm not sure where you're at. Stephen, I know your story pretty good. Uh, maybe, maybe at birth for you. <laughs> he was filled with the Holy Spirit at birth. <laughs> uh, isn't that right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, his mother tells a story about an, an angel coming and putting a golden miter on his head with Hebrew letters in it. Sounds like high priest kingship to me, like the Melchizedek order designated. This is who you are, you know. And so we go through, a, you know, a designation and, and then comes probation. And you go through the long things. I know my probation, I counted it. I, f I found my designation in my own time in history. It really was embarrassing. My personal designation was, um, the, the Lord took me back to it. He showed me where it was at. He said, remember this day? And I, re I remember because there was a guy from Israel. There was a lady from South Africa. There was a whole group of ministry leaders. I'm sitting in a chair in the middle. And uh, I'm not going to say what they said, what she said, but she says, this is who you are. Says it in front of everybody. I wanted to go crawl in a hole somewhere. And uh, this is who you, you are. This is who you'll be. Um, this is what's going to happen. Um, they took the oil. They did the uh, Israel flag, they blew the shofar, the thing happened, and then started probation. Because as soon as like the Lord with us, when we're, he's designated, remember, the, it says the spirit led him into the wilderness or drove him into it. Well, his was 40 days, Israel's was 40 years. I found out mine was 4,089 days. <laughs> it was about 11 years. And there were three primary things, and I brought this out a couple weeks ago, that the Lord wants to get at when he gets you in a probationary period. He wants to deal with that dark triad. He wants to deal with the psychopathy, the narcissism, and he wants to deal with that Machiavellianism. He wants to deal with materialism, sensationalism, and power basing. He wants to get it out part of the fallen nature. And so we go through a probation and in the probation, he's placing examinations on us. I, you know, I, I think he's like, <clears throat> with a lot of us, he's like, all right, run this exam on them. Okay, they passed. Okay, run this exam on them. Oh, didn't pass. Give it to them again. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Has anybody ever said, you know, it feels like I'm circling back around with the same thing again. Anybody else? I mean, I wonder, like, how many times the Lord's like, I'm gracious, give them another chance, you know. As long as they're willing to trust, give them another one. Give them another one. Give them another one. And he's like, circle back around, circle back around. But finally, you know, you overcome. You, you will, you'll overcome. You stay with it. The pressure will be there, you know. It's like the relational pressure, the health pressure, you know, the uh, financial pressure, whatever it is. It gets you to move off what the word of the Lord is and eventually... You come through probation, and then comes uh, conferral. Because the Lord wants to confer his kingdom on you. He, he's ready to take that designation and confer. And he's all about this. He you know, wants to confer uh, what he has for you on your life. He wants to give it to you. He's not, the Lord's not stingy trying to hold things back from his people. When he gives you a call and tells you who you are, he wants to bring it to pass. He's not trying to make your life hard. He's, we've went through a road of trials. 
And, and for all of us, it doesn't have to last your whole life. Unfortunately, for much of Israel, it says their carcasses fell in the wilderness. Their 40 years, because of their probationary period, they didn't pass it and they died like that. I can say this pastorally speaking, that I've heard some great callings and I haven't buried a lot of people, but I've buried people with great callings that didn't fulfill them. And that really shocked me because I thought, if you had a great calling, you're going to fulfill the great calling. Why would God tell you about it? Why would he tell you who you are and you not fulfill it? Because when push come to shove, that believing loyalty that I'm saying earlier, it was compromise. I don't know that I want it. I think I'd rather have what, blah, 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 and I don't want to do that. And so this great calling that's on your life, because your sanctification, while it's been paid for by the Lord, you must partner with him in it. Your justification was given to you, but your sanctification is either a yes or a no with him. And so every process is the Lord moves on you by the Holy Spirit, he comes to you, you say yes, or you say no. We well, say no. Um, he'll wait on you, but you'll pick up where you left off. Anybody else notice that? Because of the Holy Spirit, I think he's got like, I told someone, I think he's got like a white paper like this. Maybe it's the old yellow pads. <laughs> Remember those? The legal pads. And it's like that thick. And he's got like all these checks on it. And he's like, okay, <clears throat> you ready? Yep, okay, go ahead and give them the first one. All right, passed, checkbox, next, move to the next checkbox. I don't know if y'all are like this. I'm a checkbox person. You know, maybe you're like this, but for me, the Holy Spirit's like, okay, next one, okay, next one, okay, next one. It's like, oh, that was hard. Okay, we got something else for you. <laughs> don't get discouraged. God's wanting to confer the kingdom on you. Stay with him. Well, I failed, I failed really bad. I did really bad. All right, repent, push delete, repent to those that you've done wrong, repent to the Lord first, let's, hit, let's pick up where you're at, let's pick up today, repent, push delete, and let's go forward. Conferral, and then comes a confirmation period. Um, I said this wrong last week, and I want to correct myself, God, Jesus' probation was not his crucifixion, his confirmation was his was his coronation, which was his crucifixion. Now, this is nothing like going through a long conferral period through probationary period and the Lord's bringing you to the cross. <laughs> you want to talk about offensive? <laughs> it's like, I've been through so much. I mean, uh, uh, I, got, uh, I, I got invited, I've been initiated, I passed through my designation, this is what you said. I went through your full probation. You conferred all this on to me. That you called me, yeah, I believe you. And then at my confirmation now, this is what the Lord is going through. This is why the disciples were so discouraged. Because Jesus' coronation, his confirmation was his crucifixion. And I really, I, I really believe that the Lord, he's like, gets people through like a lot, but then when it comes up to that one, it's like, man. <laughs> I mean, you talk about can get offended or hurt. And I really think that's taken a lot of God's, of his sons and daughters 
right there. Like, I mean, he's like, I want to bring you through, but we're going to the cross. And, um, you know, and then my subject matter, because we've been in, let me say this, confirmation is a word that is used for usually like children, right? Coronation is used for what? Like a man-child? Like a little child who's a king or queen? Except you become as a, you can't enter. Unless you become as a little child, confirmation is a child thing. Coronation is a, should be a mature king or queen. The Lord takes the confirmation and the coronation, he puts it together. It makes a man-child, Revelation 12. It makes a, a, childlike, a childlike ruler. Solomon says that I'm but a child. Jeremiah says I'm just but a little child. Because the Lord cannot have royalty and hand royalty over to someone who is independent. The Lord's not gonna hand over to you the royal keys to the family with an independent nature. He can't, he just won't. It's not even like his own character. Remember, his character is completely dependent. The Lord, the Lord Jesus. It's completely dependent on the Lord, the Father, completely. And so why would he have a, a royal family that's any different than himself? That independent nature has to go. And it has to go early on in the probationary period. But that we would know even deeply in the crucifixion narrative that even comes a, becomes a part of our own life, I can do nothing of myself. A deep over, a deep like thing inside has worked its way into my character and my nature that this isn't about what I can bring to pass or make happen. It's, it's all to the glory of the Father. It's like the last vestiges and the last rites and the last me being seen and me trying to do something for you, Lord. Lord's gonna take it to the cross. Why? For consummation. The series that we're in in Zechariah is concerning consummation. <laughs> because and you, you've heard me talk about this. The Lord wants a full orbed. He wants a full orb people with his complete divine nature, his resurrected life running your anthropology, your anthropological self, your human self. He wants to give you all of himself. Hey, that's a pretty good deal, isn't it? I mean, you get the full divine nature that Jesus had. You're not Jesus because you have your own persona. He has his own. You know what his persona is? He's the beloved son of the father, king of the universe. He's ducking. Like no one else can be. No one's gonna take his place. But that you have your own persona. In the Greek, it's called the prosopon. You have your own persona. And the Lord wants to take your mishkan, which is your temple that you have inside. He wants to link it through what's called technically the hypostatic union. Through his shakan, shakina. You know this word? the light of God's glory. He wants to link up your temple that he put in you 
And I found eight contacts. Mem, Lamekaf, Yod, Dagesh, Zadeh, Dalet, Kof. That spells Melchizedek. Eight contacts, link up, repair those contacts, take your temple and his light and radiate through your being. A full Christology in your human nature, your anthropology, that's what he wants. That's the purpose of um, this message today. That's the purpose of tabernacles. God, he wanted to tabernacle with us, tabernacle in us, take over your being. Not Jesus. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And uh, Jesus' name is not Jesus H. Christ, right? That's not his name. His name is, is Jesus or Yeshua. He has the full Christ running his anthropological human self. He's glorified now. That's why he's in outer space because he can breathe in outer space apparently with a glorified body, you know. I don't know if you've thought about that. I've thought about it. I'm like, this new, I want this new get up that you got going here. I want this. He's like, I want you to have it. I'm going to glorify man with this new body. And uh, we need that new body. So So he comes to consummate with us. God's ultimate design for redemptive history is the consummation and bestowal of his eschatological kingdom, this end time kingdom. This is, his, this is an ultimate design in redemptive history. I'm not saying this is the, the penultimate design, but that he wants to consummate with you, fully indwell you, take over your being in Christ. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, Paul talks about it, the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory be consumed in your being and bestow on you the kingdom, the eschatological kingdom. And I think a lot of us, and I, because this comes up next, is we wonder, uh, thought about this, about why is there a delay? You know, I don't know if you, you have. I remember years ago, I was in the, the fire department preaching, and I said, man, I I really want to like shrink this heaven to earth thing, get this space-time barrier closed up so we can have full union. I want full integration with you. He's like, I want full integration with you. <laughs> you think you want it with me. I want it with you. I want, fully inter- I want a full integration. I don't want to be, and I, I think you understand, I don't want to be like one moment I'm in the Lord, the next moment I'm back in the flesh. Do you understand? I want to like live in the spirit I don't want to gratify any deeds of the flesh at all. I want to be completely consumed by the Spirit, um, universally so, consistently so, nonstop. I don't want to have a consciousness of sin, like Hebrews says. I don't want to be self-conscious, and I don't want to be socially conscious. I want to be God-conscious. I want whatever your perspective is to be my reality. And I really don't want it to be any other way. And um, I'm kind of the kind of person, until it is, it is, or it is. I mean, I want it to be that way, so uh, it's got to be that way. You know what I mean, Tom? I don't want to play games. I'm not coming here to play games. Uh, we're not signed up to the Lord to play games. This isn't a game. We could go play games, but this is not a game. Now, you know, you wonder about 
delay. And I'm going to read you something that Meredith Klein said. He said, the consummated blessings of the eternal kingdom and the curse of an eternal hell are delayed by a principle called common grace that was introduced after the fall. In the sense, the delay and common grace are coterminous. Coterminous mean they like, they're like side by side and have like a match on them. The delay um, in relation to common grace provides a solid historical ground for a consummation involving extensive revelation of God's divine perfections, a glorified paradise as well as a lake of fire. Therefore, the delay is not only the delay of mere postponement, but a delay, listen to this, of gestation. I really like that word. Common grace is the antithesis to consummation. And as such, it epitomizes the world age and is one during which the consummation has been abeyant, meaning that it hasn't come into being. I, when the Lord started messing with all of us, like he is particularly intruding into affairs of men and nations right now, even within this ministry and other ministries, what he's in effect doing is it's a declaration. Your life before him is a declaration that to the powers of the air, to the angelic host, to the world proper, that the Lord is saying through this special grace initiative that is happening, even in this communication that is coming out this morning, we are coming to the closing out of this age. Because the common grace structure that has held the earth in its certain uh, time period like it has is coming and it's beginning to come to a head. The Lord is intervening. The Lord is coming in union in himself with man, not in just uh, one-off cases, but uh, with a whole remnant bride, a whole global remnant that has been brought through exile. Many of you have been a part of the, like Zachariah says, a part of the uh, two-thirds that you've watched wash away. I, I guarantee you this, that you have lost friends, that you have watched people walk away from the faith, that you have watched people desert the will of the Lord. Some of them have went for, through, a, have, have left him for an legalistic structure, others a nationalism, uh, what we would call a red-based system. Other ones have went into universalism and a blue-based structure. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for them and love them, but God will have a two-thirds that goes off, leaves, and a one-third that'll come through. Do you remember the end of Zechariah 13? Two-thirds will be cut off and one-third will be left, and it will say, a people will say, you are our, our God, and he'll say, you are my people. And just like it's happening right now in the Gentile nations, there's a left-based system that is maligned, it's blue, to a universalistic approach, egalitarian, a breakdown in the family, same thing for the right, dominant, fascist, pushing nationalistic structures. Neither one of them are like the Lord. You got Ammon on your right and Moab on your left. You know what Ammon is? Ammon is a, it was a national, it stands for like First Nations or a nationalistic structure. Don't you pine after a nationalism. The Lord has determined the boundaries of nations himself. 
Don't pine after an Edomite system that says fill your belly first and don't obey the word of the Lord. As well, don't pine after that other system. That Moabite system that says, who's your daddy? There's no heart of the father in it. It leaves orphan nature. That system, that thing has to be cut off and out of, out of the house of the Lord. It's been cut off in us. I mean, down to like little idiosyncrasies of the way that blue and red-based system had infected all of us. It's called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It affected us politically, affected us socially, affected us relationally, affected us economically. And the Lord wants the infection out. Why? Christ in you. Royal. Royal sons and daughters, the one-third left. All right. Why? For a gestation. Gestation in consummation, there would be a gestation. What? What well, child would be born? Revelation 12. A people, a man-child company. As you know, last week I had brought out this at a Jeff had eaten two epic bars, and he had wrote me. He's like, I ate two epics and epic bars, and I'm sitting there, and I'm, I had Stephen and I went through a year of the Preface to Paradise Lost by C.S. Lewis, and I don't know if you've read that, but it's just it's a little small book, but it took us like I don't know six months to a year to go through it. And in that, C.S. Lewis had described a a primary epic of man and a secondary epic, and um. And it just kind of like came up into my mind that man has, mankind in particularly has been on a journey of um, really of being restored back. Not the way that Adam, Adam was, but the way second Adam is. And I think I brought out that even Asheville was originally called Edenland. I don't know if you know that. But even in this place that we're in, that there would be an entry back through into the garden and that the primary epic would be complete. What? Those seven aspects that I just went through with you. That when God comes and he consummates himself in, in, with us and this gestation comes forth, this gestation of a, uh, let's say, a man-child company, Revelation 12, is born out from the church, that out of that, would come a people, let's say, even in this area, and I'm sure it's in other places, I think. I can't be accountable for other areas that would bring forth this, uh, this gestation. There would be a restoration of second Adam inside of man back in the garden. And that paradise that's been lost, John Milton, would start and move us towards what now I believe is upon us, and I'm like tasked by the Lord to proclaim it. And it's like, I built that whole entire message with the Lord this morning just so I could proclaim what I'm about to say, <laughs> just to give you a little context. I mean, because I can't give, you know, 6,000 years of human history right now. We'd be here for a while, maybe 6,000 more years. But it's time for paradise to be regained. I'm tasked by the Lord to say that, to, 
to say that God has brought a remnant people that right now, that many that were, we were pre-exile, then we were exiled, then we're post-exile, now we're consumed. Now the gestation has begun. Now the gestation is upon us. That someone, some people that are like tip of the spear, so to speak, that are pushing forward in the kingdom of God, like now, that God is forming what he's really wanted all along. And that we're up on it right now in the time of human history. Uh, today, X to M137, uh, the word, he gave me this word. He said to call it proprietor. Now, I don't read to you what uh, proprietor means uh, in relationship to paradise regained. Proprietor means this. I thought this, I didn't know this because I, like, I was like sole proprietor in government you know, what you can do on your tax form or whatever, but I didn't know that proprietor meant this. Listen to this. One granted ownership of a colony, such as one of the original American colonies, and the full prerogative of establishing a government and distributing land. The Lord told me to call today proprietor. He said, call last week purgation, the week before that proscription. Uh, the series that we're in right now, this vision that we're in in Zechariah is called Desolator of the Apostates. What? Proscription two weeks ago. Hey, listen, the Lord sent in an edict by the flying scroll out throughout the land saying, all apostasy must go out. All lying and all, all thievery must be removed from the house of the Lord. That the dominion powers in the heavens, you're losing your seat. The church is moving into position with the Lord. Proscription. Hey, you that have been enthroned since Adam, the second Adam is paid for it. Now the end time remnant is possessing the kingdom in the heavens. Now. And this has been put on notice to our enemy and uh, his minions in those seated places. You must vacate that because the Lord Jesus himself's work that he paid for at the cross is, has consumed us. The gestation of the man-child is upon us. What? It says, and he was caught up to God and to his throne. It says, Michael the archangel was there in the heavens casting Lucifer out of the second heavens. And we know that in Ezekiel 28 that I read earlier, he was cast out of the uh, first heaven. But in this work, he's cast out of the second heaven down into the earth. And so, because why? Because a remnant, a one-third, is attaining unto those seated places, or those global seated places. Yep. So that, for what purpose? Well, first to give glory to the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. But not just that, so that paradise would be regained. And what Adam and Eve had given up, and that what Jesus has paid for, that we, the end time church, will be seated in heavenly places in Christ. And that there would be the full prerogative as a proprietor, because the purge has happened. The king of Tyre, uh, that is a picture of Lucifer, has been cast out of the garden. Get out. Hey, get out. 
Because what you've been doing, robbing man of their dominion right, it's over with. The Lord's paid for this. This whole entire cosmos is his. And it is time to establish a government. The government of God on the earth. The kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Um, listen to this. Uh, a proprietor is a person who has the legal right or the exclusive title to something. Now, how does that work? You know, and, and maybe you're asking those kind of practical things. You know, I, I've watched this. I, I watched years ago, I watched the abortion clinic in Asheville get shut down. Now, I know that another one spawned back up with Planned Parenthood. I, I realize that happened. But the one that was going on over there, we took a team over there. We put that red tape over our mouth uh, that came out of the Bound for Life initiative with Lou Engel. And we stood there, rain, sun, whatever. And we stood there. And I remember one night uh, we were at our apartment. And uh, I think, I think y'all were there, the, the Mannings. Or I know, I think Jeff was, or Kelly. But they're praying. I remember pacing the floor. And the Lord said, don't ask me again. He said, I'm shutting the thing down. It was closed in six months. They closed the whole thing. And I knew that we have this authority if, if we had stand for it. But I also knew that the uh, nature in which I was to go and do things was before the Lord. I remember him having to deal with me. He was dealing with my stuff. And that once I got to a place of proper intercession, I could put, put a uh, thing down on that place and say, I, you know, that is not going to happen anymore. I'm not going to put up with it. I've been by uh, businesses uh, in this city myself and said, you're cursed be you. And, myself, and I've done it on certain uh, businesses already. I watched the doors close on their businesses because if they're promoting things that are like witchcraft and sorcery or some of these places are promoting uh, getting yourself high and lit, I, I just go by and I curse them. You're not going to be on my property. I'm not going to put up with this. I don't say anything to anybody. I don't have to because it's before the Lord in heaven. And I have watched <laughs> businesses completely be shut down. Because why? Because I have the right to. And so do you. I don't have to go lobby. And, I don't have to go lobby to do that. I don't have to go and get legislation done. And I'm not saying if the Lord calls you that not to do it, but I'm just saying... There's power in what's going on when we effectively say, you know, we're not going to put up with this. And I, curse it be you because you're destroying people's lives and I'm not going to have it. I'm not going to have these kind of things in, on my property, on my turf. I'm going to take it very personal. Take this land very personal. This land is your land. This land is my land. <laughs> take it personal. Take it personal as a proprietor. Um, I noticed that if the enemy's uh, got you, if he's got you, you lose your authority. You can step out of that and say, you know what? I'm not going to have this anymore. I'm not going to be like overcome with evil all the time. I'm not going to deal with that. I'm going to be done with this. I'm going to overcome evil with good because, and I'm going to go about seeing that there's a desolation that happens where apostasy is present. I've watched demons be cast out like that. I've watched the sick get healed like that. And it's that authority is sitting in every single one of us right now. 
Now I'll close with this because this morning I was asking the Lord, I said, you know, I don't really know how to deal with, you know, Zechariah 5 in the end, as y'all heard me say that, and I don't know how to take an application out of this, and could you just help me? And I was sharing it with Kara, and she says, well, you should just say it like you just did to me, because I think they'll really understand that. Because I was, you know, thinking of Babylon, and I was thinking about how did Babylon come in and affect us, and, and um, it took me um, to Hezekiah in the Bible. Remember Hezekiah, King Hezekiah of Judah? Remember what happened to him, how he became very uh, deathly sick? And remember that he had something pop up right on his face right here, like a, an open wound. He was going to die. And he pleads with the Lord for 15, for his life, and he gets an extension of 15 years. But do you remember what the prophet told him to put on his, his boil? What was it? It was a fig poultice. You guys know what a poultice is? A poultice, in this case, when you, took, you take the fig and you slice it, I believe, down the middle, and it has like a mesh wrap around it. So the, the juices, I guess, can go out of the poultice into the, uh, the open wound. And so the prophet says, if you apply a fig poultice, you'll be healed. And the Lord's... You know, a few years ago, I had one of these bad wounds come up on my face like that, and it, it burned, it was so hot, and it, it was like, it was like that big. And I remember the Lord dealing with me. He said, man, I'm gonna deal with everything. And he took me to Hezekiah, and he says, I'll have no king like that in Judah. And I said, what is he doing? He said, Do you, you see how he calls the Babylonians down? You remember that? He opens up that first temple of Solomon and shows them what? All the treasury, all the goods. And I said, Lord, what's, what's the deal? You know, what's the deal? He says, son, it goes all the way back to the garden. He said, what, what did, uh, what happened? What happened right away when Adam and Eve sinned against me? I said, well, they made for themselves fig leaves and they covered their they're, they covered themselves up because they were they knew they were naked and they were ashamed. He said, that's Babylonian right there at its root. He said, what kind of system is Babylon? I said, absolute monarchy. Well, I have no other king but one king. He's like, right, what was Nebuchadnezzar? He's like, an absolute monarch. He said, when man decided right there to put fig leaves, they became their own absolute monarch. They decided that they're gonna make the decision concerning their life. And I didn't make, I didn't make you to be an absolute monarch like that. I, I made my people that I would be the absolute monarch in you. <laughs> I didn't make for you to decide. And the moment that you put the fig leaf on is the moment that you decide. And he said, that's Babylon at its root. He said, we've tried in our imaging, we tried to express our image by putting something else on and saying, this is where, this is what makes me who I am. Sometimes, you know, it goes, you could use this kind of language, we call it pretentiousness. We call it the big bling bling show. 
And it gets worse and worse and worse. And the Lord's like, I want you vulnerable. I want you completely dependent. I want you to agree with me in this and allow yourself to completely be dependent on me. That's how I made you. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of everything. You can see why like Babylon the Great has to be cast down. I think a lot of us shudder when we hear that because we know how much it's affected, infected our whole entire culture and way of life. It's infected everything Babylon has. It's got into everything. You know, many people believe that the harlot Babylon is the United States of America. I've heard that preached. That their wares and all the merchandise that we've extended all over the earth is going to be like shut down and cast down and everything. It scares the United States of America citizens. Start talking about Babylon the Great falling. It's just like, don't talk about that. You know, I don't know how much of my economy is wrapped up into that. You know what happened to Hezekiah's great, 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 great grandson, Zedekiah? His eyes were plucked out. And they killed him and they took and took his daughters off and took him took him out. The whole kingdom of Judah was divested. You know, when we're reading Psalms 137 at the very beginning, Lord. Here we are in Babylon singing the songs of Zion. It just hit me last this morning. I was like, oh my goodness, it can't be that X2M 137 and Psalms 137 would go together, but it did. That we hung our harps in the willow trees. We we, you know, we're singing about another country we're singing about another thing in this room you know when the song of Zion comes into to, to us and we know that like it can't be like the way everything else has been going because it's not right and, and that the Lord's telling us to say bye bye uh, to Babylon bye bye to the fig leaf bye bye to not being willing to be exposed it's time to say goodbye to the shame. I can't take care of it. I know. You can't. I can't fix this problem. You're not meant to. I can't solve this situation. It's not for you to. Let's stand together. It's... Can you imagine a father that wants to do everything for you? That just needs your partnership when you're gazing up at him, you're looking at him and you're longing for him and the communication of the relational father comes to you. He says, I wanna, I wanna take uh, this divine nature and form it uh, fully in you. I want you, when you look out your eyes, you're looking out with my eyes, seeing the whole entire perception of what is really reality. I want to fully invest myself into you. I want to just give you all of me. I'm going to have all of you, Lord. 
There's a gestation on us. Consummation of the ages. Oh, Babylon the Great is falling down. It's not working anymore for people. It's not gonna work. We're tired of it. I'm tired of trying to do it myself and make it happen. Trying to figure it out when I wasn't made to. I was made for you, Lord. I was created for your glory. I was made to be consumed. It's not up to me. You already have a design. You already have the character. I don't even need to have it. Everything is in you, Lord. All my being is in you. I live and move and have my being. Oh, I know. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know you're my Redeemer. You're my hope. You're my steadfast. You're my consciousness. You're my glory. You're my everything. You're my expression. You're my meaning. You're my God and I'm yours. I'm your beloved. And your delight is in me. Mm. All my streams, all my fountain is in you, Lord. All my hope is in you, Lord. Mm. I'll never leave you nor forsake you, says the Lord. Cast all your cares on me, for I care for you. You're my connection. You're flowing through my being. You have me. I can't go to the left or to the right.
It won't last, uh, they say. He's right here right now. He'll leave me. I, I'm going to go back to my house. I don't know what I'm going to do. He won't leave you. Turn to him. Let him look through your eyes. I don't know how to make it. I don't know what to do with myself. Good. <laughs> Welcome to Christ in you, the hope of glory. I don't need to know. It's not for me to know. It's for me to be known. <laughs> oh. oh, don't you love it when you're known? It's okay, you were made that way. You were made to be known. Mm -hmm. oh, I know you now. I know you now. I know you right now. Mm -hmm. last thing I'll leave you with this today not why don't ask it ask what and like my wife says when I go to ask why I say Lord don't ask why that's what happened in the garden the enemy baited him on a why say what are you doing here Lord he'll tell you he always will tell you say what what's going on I don't know I, I, I don't know it's okay not to know you weren't made to you were made though where he would communicate to you he would say this is my perspective over you it don't matter what your circumstance says what matters is what that word of the Lord when he communicates to you and you stand on that and you don't change your position and walk in the victory of the Lord. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you. May he be gracious to you. May he place his name on your forehead. And may you have peace today. Amen. Bless you today.
the night 